Welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts today, TJ and Zach. Hey, hey, hey. So we got part one of the Metro preview. We're going to go through Pittsburgh, Washington, Columbus, and the New York Islanders today. Uh, we got part two coming out later this week where we're going to be talking Carolina, the New York Rangers, Philadelphia, and the New Jersey Devils. If you guys want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're on Twitter at FHF Hockey. We got mock drafts three times a week. You can find those links in the Discord. We got... A big old trade to announce. A blockbuster. It's the only place to start. Yeah, so Matthew Kachuk to Florida for Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger. On the surface, that's all that matters. There was picks going, you know, one way, the other way, Cole Schwint, you know, prospects, whatever. For fantasy, for redrafts, this is all we care about. Kachuk, Huberdeau, Weger. Big trade. Just on you know, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know if I really want to get into winners. Because I don't think we're going to be able to tell just yet. But what did you think of the trade? I I think we can talk about winners, and I think the winners are the Calgary Flames. Yeah, they got rid of a player who said, "Hey, just so you know, I ain't signing here. I'm not going to be on your team in the future. You're not going to be able to lead me in with you know. I'm sure they they tried to get him on a multi year deal. It didn't work. So he said, I'm not going to be here." So they were able to trade a player that does not want to be there for a 100-point player in Jonathan Huberdeau, a first-pairing defenseman, and someone who can run their power play in Mackenzie Weger. You think? All right, we'll get there, but yeah. on the surface, there we are. You know what I mean? And a first-round pick. I, I, I think that the, it's easy to talk winners and losers. But also, I think that Matt Kachuk is a winner here, too. Because now he gets to go be on a line with Alexander Barkov. In a tax-free Florida. So it yeah. definitely it I makes actually sense for thought him I too. had that written down too. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense for him. Uh, I think, you know, Huberto, McKenzie, if we're just talking hockey here, they're on the last years of their deals, both of whom came out and said, you know, we would be interested in signing here long term. If they don't, Florida looks really smart. But if they do, Calgary runs away with this so Why easily. Why if they don't? Because if they don't, TJ then all Calgary has to do is flip them at the trade deadline true. and get more assets. There's like a lot of ways. They, yeah. There is. I, I feel like they can't lose in this situation. They either sign one or both of those players long-term or they flip them at the trade deadline and just get more things. Even if they're retaining 50%, it's only for you know a few months at that rate. So it is loser-proof from the Flames. It looks a lot better for Florida if they don't resign with them the florida panthers they're in all-in mode like they're going all in when's their next first round pick i think it's like 2026 yeah well so that one we just talked about and also you have to think about the fact that they didn't sign you know players like uh let's see claude Giroux and yeah. re-sign him they didn't sign uh they didn't re-sign ben Sherratt who they picked up you know both players at the trade deadline last year and got nothing for it Mason so they lost Owen Tippett there. They lost first round picks in 23 and 24, and then a third round pick in 2024 as well. Like they've given up so much, and like now they have Matt Chuck to show for it. <laughs> it's you know what I mean. Scorched earth, yeah. It's it's been not good. Like if if you do the old Chuck Fletcher exercise on Bill Zito right now, it doesn't look very good. Uh, but what I can say is the Florida Panthers are extremely young. They, they traded the, you know, Huberto is going to be 30. Kachuk, if he's not 30 already, Kachuk is like 25. And, uh, you know, now they have Kachuk locked up for a long time, eight years. Mm -hmm. I think it was 9.5. So, you know, they've got a young core to the point that they believe so much in these guys that they pitched all their picks, like scorched earth when it comes to it. So they are, they are all in. Florida gets Matthew Kachuk. I want to start here. Do you think Matthew Kachuk is a 100-point player? 
on a line with Alexander Barkov, if he's playing exclusively with him, yes, I think he has it in him. I think, yeah, I think he's got to get there again. I think point per game, if that is, you know, the echelon you want to get to, I think that's an easy over. 100 points, that's a lot. We're going to be talking about all three of the former top line Calgary guys this episode because we got Columbus. So we're going to be talking Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, we're going to be talking Elias Lindholm when it comes to, you know, Calgary, what Calgary gets. And now we're talking Matthew Chuck. I think it's important to start that. If that line stayed together in Calgary next year, I would have all three of these guys projected for less points than they scored this year. So just right there, our expectations off the top, I think need to be shaved a little bit. Uh, All three of these players. Kachuk, his last six years, which I think is his entire career, uh, his point paces, 104, 62, 72, 78. 59, 51. Those first two years, 59, 51. He's coming into the league. He's getting ready. He's still on the second line. Uh, and then things ramp up towards the end. Now that's 78 point year, I think it was, was when uh, Giordano won the Norris or maybe it was the 72 point year. So Calgary's done this a few times where they just go nuts for a year. And I think that's what we saw this year. We're going to talk about it with Gaudreau, with uh, Lindholm, with Kachuk, all three of these guys. I think maybe we would have seen career years. Kachuk's got the most runway, so he has a chance to break his career. Is he good? Yes. Is he in his prime? Yeah. Is he a 100-point player? I don't know. You know, like consistently. Is Alexander Barkov a 100-point player? Yes, he is. But listen, Gaudreau, Lindholm, Kachuk versus Kachuk, Barkov, and who? Rudolph Balsers, Sam Reinhart, Anthony Duclair. Like, it's a good line. But the weakest link stands out a little bit more in Florida. That's what I'm trying to get at. So I, I do have his projections down a little bit. So they need to make another move? Because the only other <laughs> With answer what money? is the only real answer is Carter Verhage. Yeah, Verhage or I like Reinhardt up there. Uh, Duclair, you know, he won't be back till January. So I think eventually maybe he's that top line beneficiary, that that sidecar on that line. Um it sounds like it. I'm reading between the lines here, but it sounds like we both think Kachuk is a top line guy. Absolutely. Whereas Huberdeau ran his own line on the second. What about this? And I'm just saying, so since that third that third spot is a question mark, man, that sounds like, you know, what we what we've done in the past with uh when Marner and and Matthews are playing. Yeah. Just whoever, whoever. that third person is, I'm fucking streaming that person. Mm-hmm. So if that's going to be the case, I don't care who it is. If it's Rudolph Balser's TJ, I swear to Christ, I would pick him up if he's playing with Barkov and Kachuk. Yes, I would. Blame I would. You. Yeah, I would, I would suggest you did. <laughs> um, all right, so Huberto played almost exclusively on his own line. Uh, Kachuk, as it, you know, just in my brain right now, I'm thinking he's going to be on the top line. I don't know if he can drive his own line the way that Huberto can. Uh, so that... That's not good for whomever is playing on the second line. Like that was Bennett. That was a little bit of Reinhardt. There were different guys playing on that second line with Huberto, but it's going to lower their respect. Like it's a net loss for everybody on the second line. Uh, Kachuk and Barkov, that's a stellar duo, but you're losing that superstar split with one and two, which sucks. Um, On the power play, losing Huberto hurts. He led the the Florida Panthers with 38 power play points. He led them by seven. Next closest was Sam Reinhardt at very surprising 31. And then Barkov at 26. Huberdeau was the largest factor in Florida's power play, which ranked fifth. Um, Kachuk had 29 power play points. It would have been good for second on Florida, which is pretty solid. Lindholm had 19. Gaudreau had 25. So both of these players led their respective teams on the power play. Uh, Kachuk's three-year average is point per game just as a floor, which is, I think, you know, we can probably get like, he's moving from arguably the best line in hockey last year to align with Barkov, who's, you know, good in his own right, but we just don't know what that third piece is yet. Is it good? Is it somebody that's, you know, just feeding off of them and contributing nothing? Is it a remora or is it somebody that can help? Is that a good one? I think that was a good one. I like you using all those numbers to prove my point. I've already said that I think that that you know Florida lost this 
They definitely lost this. They gave up so much, and all they got was Matt Kachuk. Uh, Kachuk saw about the same amount of even strength time on ice as Barkov, so I'm assuming that time on ice stays about the same. You know, depending on what new head coach Paul Maurice does, that's another you know curveball in the whole mix here. The power play in Florida, I mean, Kachuk's got to be on power play one. You know, he he played in the right circle. He did a lot at the net front, but that's where Reinhardt was, who for second on the team in power play, I mean, you could either switch Reinhardt to the half wall or you could put Kachuk there. Kachuk was a lefty. Huberto was a lefty. So just put him in Huberto's spot on the left circle. He loves those deflections and he's good at them. I'd put Kachuk there. I'd, I'd have him with his bumper. What gets even weirder is... You know, this opens up a spot. Giroux was on the top power play last year. Opens up a spot on the top power play that you would figure would go to Sam Bennett, who, you know, would be perfect in a net front role. So now you have three guys that are net front. What do you do? Three and two? All three guys on the net front? I don't know. Like, it, it's really hard to project their power play right now. I can I can tell you the people. Have all of them up there and just have Alexander Barkov and Aaron Ekblad just throwing shots at the net? That sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, three guys to clean up. I, I like Bennett to get that, you know, on paper, his name fits those other four players that are on that top power play, but then you have three net front guys and it, maybe the dynamic just doesn't work. You know, maybe they try and get somebody else up there. It's going to be Verhage. maybe Verhage. It very well could be. So watch out and Bennett might not be a lock for up there because, you know, I would put him in net front and there's already two other guys that can do that. What else do you see? Like, you know, the split superstar approach is going to, it's a net loss for line two. Um, you know, Bennett, Lindell, Reinhardt, even maybe, who is it? But on the off chance that Kachuk and Barkov don't click, what do you see happening with a season long like that? Well, then you'd have to try to split them up. But at the same time, I, I think they're they're hurting just as much on the on the defensive end as well. Oh yeah. Like they are. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Gustav Forsling, but I like Gustav Forsling much more as a second line defenseman rather than mm. a top pairing. I don't know. Like, y- you take, you do the same trade, you take Uyghur out. I think Calgary still wins this. Like, why do they have to have Uyghur in there? It's so weird. I can only imagine it's because Florida didn't feel like they were going to be able to resign him. Yeah. But the whole thing is, they. it's not like they really got anything for him. They're just dumping, you know, they're just dumping cash really it's weird uh yeah so we both like whoever that right wing one is line two you know they're they're losing huberto that sucks but let's get into Uyghur, which is where i think we were headed Uyghur and ekblad were line mates most of the time like they were on a pair together huge for Uyghur's even strength totals he was ranked fifth in the entire league in even strength points over the last two years only yossi latang makar and John Carlson are head of Mackenzie Weger at even strength. Think about that. He's tied with Devontae's, just ahead of Victor Hedman, Shea Theodore. Like, this guy is good. How much of it, you know, was a result of playing with number one, the Florida's best players, and two, playing with Ekblad? Well, now he's going to be playing with Calgary's best players. But at the same time, Ekblad is really good. Like, I like Aaron Ekblad a lot. Um, so he's not going to have that same look up in Calgary. So you do have to be worried about that. Like any team that has Alexander Barkov, like I'm going to take the one plane with Alexander Barkov. For sure. Wouldn't, wouldn't anybody? I think you know so too. I mean? And who is he going to be playing with? Is he going to be playing with Noah Hannafin, who is more of an offensive defenseman? Or is he going to be, you know, with a Rasmus Anderson? who, you know, can just be out there and focus on defense. I think that's what it comes down to. Hmm. I would have those guys flip-flopped, but I don't I don't know. I haven't looked at the the metrics between those two defensemen. What do you think, you know, we both kind of think Forsling is going to be the guy that takes that pairing. Yes. Uh Wegar in terms of even strength points per 60, Wegar is 7th and Forsling is 13th. So it's it's not crazy to think that Forsling could be seeing you know, those 45-ish point paces that Uyghur has been putting up over the last, rather than the 35-point paces that he's been doing. on Yeah, as a hockey team, that sucks. That's not, like, your defense looks a little bit worse without Uyghur. But just for Forsling stock, I think it goes up considerably. You know, he's, he's not much different in the way of offensive generation. 
Um, you know, it's between Forsling and Montour for power play too, as well. So I, I just don't know how much we should be talking about Forsling. I mean, I liked Gustav Forsling even last year for um, yeah for he a had stream. streaks, man. He had streaks. Yeah, uh, he he definitely was a hundred percent worth a stream. Now he might be like he's he's not. I don't think he's going to get drafted like Mackenzie Weaker did. But at the same time. I think that he could be a, a viable hold, possibly. Yeah, I like him a lot. I'm checking his periphery right now. He doesn't really hit or block too much, but I wonder if... I mean, he had really, really good even-strength deployment last year. 45 hits, 86 blocks. It's really... Man, got to bump those numbers up, man. That's rookie shit. But like a 40-point pace, which is not bad for you know someone who I wasn't... I didn't see coming out the pipe... Like, I, I saw the Mackenzie Weaker thing happening a while ago, but not Gustav Forsland. Mm. All right, man. In Calgary, um, this definitely, I mean, getting Jonathan Huberto softens the blow for our guy, Elias Lindholm. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Huberto gets like 60 to 65 assists. He was a, he hasn't been under 90 point pace in five years. This year, he had the 118 point pace, 85 assists over an assist a game. 38 power play points you know he's going to be lining up with the shot volume darlings into foley and lindholm lindholm's good but he's not barkov good uh, mm-hmm. calgary was going to they were going to come back down to earth regardless of whether or not gaudreau or kachuk stayed that's something that i that i really believe huberdo you know he essentially replaces gaudreau in terms of points and styling you know kachuk is still gone so i think lindholm needs to be adjusted cordon uh, like accordingly softens the blow it doesn't erase it you know instead of a Gaudreau and a Kachuk. Right now, you just have a Gaudreau. Who do you like for that third spot? Another pretty enticing sidecar here. It's between two people. It's between, you know, I think we're on the same page here. Toffoli and Mangiapane. In that order for me. I I guess I want to see it be Toffoli. Because I think that second line kind of sees Mangiapane. Um, the second line doesn't need a Tyler Toffoli. Is, I guess, where I'm going to go yeah. with this. You know what I mean? Because they have Blake Coleman on that line. They don't. They don't need Tyler Toffoli and and what he's good at. That top line definitely can. Elias Lindholm definitely can. You know, like that's. I think that would work out. But the whole thing is, uh, you know, Andrew Mantriapani would do just fine. All right. Here's another question: Who gets the power play time? You know, they they lost Gaudreau, Gaudreau and Monahan, or not Gaudreau, uh, Gaudreau and Kachuk. There's still net minus one for top power play bodies. You think it's uh, Toffoli? I think it's Toffoli. He's just going to, he, he, he throws shots. He was on the power play last year. So he was one of those. So it was uh, the top line, Toffoli and Rasmus Anderson. Now you're going to have the top line, which could include Toffoli, still have one spot. For me, it's between like Sean Monahan might come back. He could potentially. I think get Sean that. Monahan or, was already a, a, a given for the top power play. He's been having a rough time, but hopefully they fix his hip. You know, maybe something happens. It could be Mangiapane. I think he's next up in line, depending on, you know, Monaghan. Man, I, I don't know if it's just me, but maybe I'm just a dick. Like, I, I'm low on Andrew Mangiapane. Like, because I'm just, uh, I'm I'm over it. I'm over Andrew Mangiapane. I said the same thing about Rob Thomas last year, and look what happened. Like, he upsets me. This is the year. We know it's going to happen now. Uh, overall, like... I guess we didn't talk about this with Kachuk, but what do you think for his value? Overall, does it go up or down? It goes up because he's playing with Barkov. Barkov, he he's the he's that's it. He's a top ten player, I think, in the league, Alexander Barkov. Like top ten offensive player, I guess. But he's a top ten forward. If you can play with a player like that, it matters. I think moving to that level of offense helps too. Like I have it later here. Florida is the highest scoring team in the NHL since Lemieux and Yager were on the Penguins in 95-96. So we'll see. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Um, you know, I, I think expectations need to be altered going into it. I think you should be happy with an 85-point season, which is kind of where I have him. Uh, Huberto, on the other hand, um, what do you think for him? Like, is this does this raise his value? Does it drop it? Well, he's getting to play with, you know, he's going to be a top line, so he's going to be playing with other top line guys instead of a a mismatch of a top six that he was in before. So he's used to driving his own play. 
I'm not worried about that. So I, I, I don't, I think it's kind of a, huh. I guess I kind of want to say, uh, like middle of the road. I don't think it's good or bad to be honest with you, because I think he can drive his own play and that's what matters. He didn't, he wasn't relying on Barkov. I got, I got the small drop, but the point you're bringing about maybe extra time on ice moving up to that top line, it might wash out. So I might be right there with you as like, this is kind of a push. Uh, you know, it's not to say he's in a worse spot or that Huberto's a worse player, but part of me believes that we just witnessed Huberto's career year. He's 30 years old. He just put up 115 points, 115 118 points. points. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think we just witnessed a career year. So to saying he's going to build on it or he's going to repeat uh, is hard to do just off the bat, even if he was still in Florida. I think that he's a 100-point player. I think he is too. You know, he's 95-ish to 100. And I think he's going to stay right around there. You know, Toffoli shoots a lot. Lindholm shoots a lot to say that both those guys can't get 60 goals between the two of them, you know, 30 and 30, mm-hmm. Huberno go and assist a game almost like, I think he can do like 65 assists, but even there, like all he's got to do is score 25 goals and he's at 90 points. I think it's, I think it's pretty good on all fronts. I think, you know, all of these guys should have been <laughs> adjusted downwards going into next year, which sucks. Like I, I, you know, career years from Gaudreau, probably from, Huberdo, Lindholm even. I don't know. Um, who runs the power play? Do you think it's Uyghur? Do you think it's Hannafin? Do you think it's Rasmus Anderson? Like Sutter couldn't even decide last year between Anderson and Hannafin. So I think Uyghur has got a good chance as any. Uh, I, I've already said I think it's going to be Uyghur. I, yeah. I said I that it, I think it like way early on when we started talking. Yeah, yep, that's what I see him as. And that's why I think Calgary would have wanted him involved. You know I think I mean? he's gonna because he's gonna fit out, really well. Yeah, I think Sutter's gonna like him a lot. And I don't think that he's gonna be asking for a ton of money to re-sign. You know what I mean? He's making a little over three, I believe this uh, this year. So you know, if you could get him at like a four and a half, five mil a year, on that'd that'd be a steal. Yeah, I think that would be great. Hmm. I see like six in his future, six or seven even. I would even uh, uh, seven would be getting pricey. I could do six. I could yeah. li- I could sleep at six for sure, for sure. So between Rasmus Anderson and uh, Noah Hannafin, there was like a two to one split on the power play. So a third of the time went to Hannafin, two thirds of the time went to Anderson. There was some internal conflict going there. My only deterrent from thinking Uyghur is a lock for the top power play is that he really didn't get used in the power play at all. Even when Uyghur went down, or not Uyghur, when Ekblad went down, Uyghur would be like, then he would be power play one. So what does that do? I I used all strengths points per 60 here, you know, which is not what I typically do, but Uyghur, you know, he didn't play on the power play, so I didn't want to use power play minutes. Uh, But Uyghur, points per 60, 23rd in the league, Hannafin 33rd, Anderson 39th, Kylington 49th. So just in terms of offensive generation, Uyghur is the best already. And Hannafin even more so than than Anderson at this point, but I just I don't know how it's going to fit in on the power play. I wonder if they, you know, give him his first taste. Maybe they want to rub it in over in Florida like see this is what you can do with uh with Uyghur if you put him on the power play and I, you know, the more that I say that, the more I think that that's what's going to happen, you know. They really want to trot these guys out and say, like, we ran away with this trade. So Uyghur, you know, just being a great even strength producer on top of everything, if he gets top power play, what what kind of production are we talking about here? I want to see Shillington do do better, too. I do. I like Oliver Shillington. Yeah, he was 49th. So did I say Kylington? That's my mistake. Um, I think 50 points, you know, would I'd be happy with that. Um, yeah. I, th- I think it's possible. He, he's really good at even strength play. If he gets top power play, I think 50 is a lock. Uyghur going from Florida, which has been the highest, you know, point scoring team in almost 30 years. Uh, like they're the most offensive team since 95, 96 Penguins. That's when Lemieux had 161 points, two points per game. Yager had 149 points. Ron Francis played hockey and had 119 points. Like just for reference of how long ago this was, um, you know, him moving to Calgary is going to be good. But I think, you know, Without that high-flying offense, 50 points without power play is going to be really tough. If he gets it, I'm in. All right, let's leave the trade in the books. What say you? Let's move to uh, Columbus. What team do you want to do? I don't mind scrolling. No, we can do Columbus. I'm there. I'm already, I'm already scrolled down. It's not like I got 17 pages to scroll through. 
Columbus, they had a tumultuous offseason. They brought in Gaudreau, they signed Eric Goodbranson, and they lost Bjorkstrand as a result of both. But I'm blaming Goodbranson here. Uh, they had a really good draft. They drafted David Juracek as their first rounder, and then um, that was the one they got from Chicago for Seth Jones. And then they drafted Denton Matejchuk with their own first round pick. A couple of defensemen, lefty righty, solid. I think they're doing really good for themselves. They have a hell of a pipeline. We'll talk about it when we get to the prospects a little bit. They finished 21st in the NHL, 37, 38, and 7, 14th in goals for per game, 24th ranked power play. Questions surrounding the team. Who plays center with Gaudreau and Line? A? Now that they have Line A locked in, who plays center? Do I have 10 minutes to figure this out? I guess. Because I might need all of these, like, nine minutes and 50 seconds left because i i gotta say i i i just don't freaking know um it's not like they have they're not flush any room available to go out and get somebody else as far as i know so they have a really weak down the middle you have jack raslovic boone jenner cole sillinger and sean corrali uh, you you guess it's raslovic but he like i said before He's awful at, at face-offs. He's, he's really bad. 42% in his career, yeah. He's bad. And that's something you need to be good at to be a first-line center. And Johnny Goudreau wants the puck, and so does Patrick Laine. So, like, I get having a person that can defer to these two good players on your wing that are going to score your goals for you, but you got to have the puck to do it. I'm going to ask you the same question when we're done talking about Columbus. And I think by the end, I'll have you convinced that it's Boone Jenner. I mean, I'm already kind of leaning Boone Jenner just for the sole fact of he has an above 50% face-off percentage for his career. You can, you can show, you can shell me that. Let's, uh, let's move in. Johnny Gaudreau. The conversation with those expectations, I already kind of outlined it before. They need to start with this, if, if he was still in Calgary, I think 115 points would have been hard to sustain. His three-year average, 83 points. You know, the three years between the Calgary Flames, where they wind up in the standings, and the Blue Jackets, where they wind up in the standings, I think it's, you know, they're separated by like four or five teams. And considering how Columbus has looked for the last three years, you know, they were good, they were really bad, and then they were kind of in the middle. I think to say that Columbus and Calgary, where they are right now, is close. I think Calgary's better, but I think they're closer. Close enough to the fact that I think, you know, that three-year average of 83 points is fair to copy-paste and put right on Johnny Gaudreau right now. I think he's going to be right in that 75-85 point range. You know, point per game seems very doable. He's got Liney across from him, you know, as a trigger man to to absolutely complement Johnny's elite playmaking abilities. You know, it, it seems like a match made in heaven. What do you got for Johnny? That he's playing with, you know, a way lesser talent down the middle with uh, than than Elias Lindholm was, and I, I understand the Patrick Line part of it because you have to pencil in Patrick Line for you know 80, 90 points, and I get that, and a bunch of goals. He's going to get assists and everything like that, but in Calgary, he had two, two other players, yeah, that were 80, 90, 100 point players. He does not have that here. So you can't tell me that you think that... I mean, I don't think he's a 115-point player um, either, but I, I, I'd i have him right, you know, kind of like the 95-100. Like, I had him at least 90 anywhere he was, and that's still the case, but I don't think he's getting over 100. I'll take the under on that big time. I'll take the under on 100. I had him... Right at like 83. That's where I had him kind of. Oh, high. okay. I'll take the over on 83 because I could see 90 happen. Because I, I think that between him and, you know, I think they could both be 90 point players. But I, I agree. I I think it's Boone Jenner. Or at least I hope so. I hope. I, I'll have you convinced. We're not there yet because I think Line A and Wierenski are still above him in uh, the targets here. But uh, what do you like about Line A? Like, Having Johnny Gaudreau is going to be great for him. His his three-year average just for goals is 30. It's like 31 goals or something. And I think that's an easy over to punch, too. Yeah, I think it's going to work out just fine for Patrick Kleine because he he never really had anybody of this. Well, not he never really had. He never had anybody of this caliber. So he is getting a huge boost in my mind. 
I wonder, what would you think of like, if I threw out a Blake Wheeler comparison? Because Blake Wheeler is a great disher too. Um, I like the fact that, so Patrick Laine has started to change his game a little bit in the past. I would say like, you know, probably since he's even a little bit after he got to Columbus. So I would say a year and a half, he's kind of been turning into a different player and has been kind of adopting the Columbus way of doing things by, you know, playing as a team because that's not what it was in Winnipeg when he was there. And it just, he wasn't interested. Just going to score goals and go home. Yeah. He, we just, he just wasn't interested. He wanted to get his 40 goals and, and that's it. You know, now he's going to have, he's going to have someone, uh, someone in Johnny Goudreau that's going to be also um, moving, you know, moving the offense along. He's not so weighed down by the fact that uh, he has to be the only one scoring goals, Patrick Line. You know what I mean? And I like that for him. So I'm actually real big on Patrick Line this year. Um, and then you, like you just said before, we do have that other third wheel situation. Who would you, your third target be? I'm assuming Gaudreau and Line are number one and two. Who would number three be? Honestly, probably Zach Ransky. Yeah, that's who I had too. Really quiet. Really quiet. Great year. Like 58 point pace. Mm-hmm. Really good shot volume. Like great, great shot volume. 14 power play points. You know, you add Gaudreau. That's what I'm worried about though. That's actually what I'm worried about. That he had 40, the power play? 40, yeah, he had 14 power play points. It was, you know, out of the 48 points that he had, this 30% of his points were on the power play. And that was the number 24 power play. So I'm a little worried about that. Well, don't you think that, like, you know, you add Gaudreau, that boosts line A. I think there's a trickle-down effect. And I think we could see Ransky hit 20 power play points this year, possibly even flirt with 60 points. Like, that's two more points. He had a 58-point pace last year. So I think 20 power play points, 60 points, really good shots, okay periphery. Um, I love Moransky this year. He had a, he put up a really quiet 58-point pace. Mm-hmm. No one's really talking about that. him as like a you know solid tier two, maybe in back end of tier two option. Uh, really sneaky pick. I'd love to see his ADP as soon as we get some of that data together. A big enough sample size. I wanna I wanna check that out. This is where I convince you it's Boone Jenner. You ready? What for the next up? For the next up and for one C. I, I'm like I'm I'm open to one C. I think I think I've already convinced myself. <laughs> All right, I'm going to convince the listeners now. You know, I he's my bet for one C. He's not sexy like Sillinger or even Roslavic, but he was the most often one C last year. Roslavic took over it, you know, around game sixty, but that was because Jenner got hurt. He did well with it. He put up 18 points in 22 games, a 67 point pace, but that was on the back of 12 goals and a 25 percent shooting percentage during that range. Jenner put up a 61-point pace. Now, if they want the Gaudreau-Line-A duo to thrive in the offensive zone, Roslavic's career 42% face-off win, it, win percentage is not going to cut it. Jenner is 54. Jenner bangs, which is going to come in handy when you're sharing the ice with Johnny Gaudreau, who's five foot nine, and people start to you know side-eye him. Uh, Jenner put up those 61-point pace, so six points shy of what Roslavic did in the same role so what it, here's my, I'm going to ask you a really reductive question and kind of sarcastically because I, you're already on my side here, but to the, to the listener, rhetorical question, what's more important to Columbus? Six points over the course of an 82 game season, which is 0.07 points per game, or somebody that's good at faceoffs. He's the captain of the team. He throws bodies around. He's great at puck battles. He can go get the puck for those two offensive guys where Roslavic can't, you know, anybody that looks at Gaudreau sideways, he's going to throw the body. Uh, Really good net front presence. He's got years more experience. It's got to be Jenner. It's got to be Jenner. I'm targeting him in the late rounds of every single draft. Like, number one, he's great in Cats League, so I think he's going to be really important there. Mm-hmm. I think across the board, Jenner is somebody that I am 100% targeting and want to leave draft day with Jenner on my team. Love this. 61-point pace, and then you add Johnny Gaudreau. I think I feel weird saying it, but I think 70 points is there, man. That would be something. I'd be excited if that was the case. Jenner had a really good year this year, 61-point pace. I think you know, if he puts that together again, 70 points with Gaudreau there. Nine points because Johnny Gaudreau, I think, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think 70 points is there. It's got to be Jenner. Watch 
the training camp lines, but here's my bet right now. It's going to be Jenner. You had me at face-off percentage. <laughs> All right, who do you like next? Um, I guess I like, you know, as far as draftable players next on the Columbus Blue Jackets, I guess I'm taking Elvis Merzlikens. Okay, yeah. Um, I'll I'll take I'll take Elvis. Uh, he would be my next up. Uh, he did have 27 wins. Um, was not fantastic this year, but was over 900. Uh, he was also uh, uh, had a 3.22 goals against average. A couple of shutouts, you know, uh, a handful of roast beef sandwiches. But you know, it, it seems like they are just totally off Jonas Corposalo. Like mm-hmm. Corpy got very few games this year. It was just not like you know, it was not a Corposalo like year. He made no push to like get that spot back. What do you see the the volume share? What do you think that is? It, it's looking more like a seventy thirty. Even though I wish it wasn't. Because I really do like Jonas Corposalo. I really do. I wish he was on a different team so he could go. I, I wish Jonas Corposalo was on, like, the freaking Leafs. Yeah, prefer, that would, would be good. for that. That would be awesome. I had 65-35, so I'm right there with you. Like, Merzlikas has been taking more of a share lately and could easily pull volume. Like, you, you add somebody like Good Branson, you know, it's going to be good for the defense and good for him. You know, I remember that quote last year. I think it was Brad Larson said, we're going to play Merzlikens every game. And then they didn't, but, you know, they, they said they were going to. So I think what they want is to make Merzlikens the starter and not the 1A. So I think there's going to be shift from that tandem effect back to a starter. And to be honest, I'm starting to see this across the NHL. I know the, the narrative has always been the tandem, but think about the tandems that, that we've talked about. Dallas, that tandem's gone. It's Ottinger. It's Ottinger and Wedwood. That is gone. Um, you know, Boston, Swayman, Olmark, that's still kind of a tandem. Uh, Samsonov and Vanacek was a tandem, but now that's Kemper straight. Um, you know, Talbot is there in Ottawa. Fleury and Talbot was a tandem, but now they have a starter. So I think the narrative is shifting back towards starter. And I don't know why. Because I, I thought tandem made so much sense for like load management and things like that. I guess it doesn't make as much sense when paydays start coming around and trying to keep both of those two goalies that you've been giving time to uh maybe a little harder than you thought what about the islanders are still a are still a tandem as far as i'm concerned are they i think so are they because uh sorokin i think he had 53 games last year yeah i think he's gonna get more this year he had the bulk yeah no more tandem it's gone and that was a trots thing where lane lambert's in i think i think that tandem's gone Sorokin had a had a ton of fucking shutouts too, but a bunch of but a bunch of roast beef, but a bunch of roast beef. We'll get, we'll get into that. We'll get into that for sure. Uh, we talked about the Columbus pipeline. They're great. They have Tarasov waiting in the wings. He's dealing with a surgery. Kent Johnson. We're probably going to see him. Uh, Kirill Marchenko. We could see Kirill Marchenko. We could see Igor Chinnikov. Corson Kuhlman's like they have. You know they added Matejchuk. They added Yurichek. They are covered at every position, and it's incredible. Yarmulkek Linen. Top five, man. You gotta you gotta have him in the conversation, the GM of the year. Already. Pittsburgh, ready? Sure. I think Pittsburgh's so easy. Like their their core has been the same. You could go I, I challenge you to do this. Go back and listen to our uh team previews from last year. And I want to know how different the Pittsburgh preview from last year is to this year. The top five is exactly the same. All the main fantasy targets. Uh, you know, for a lot of it, the streamers are pretty much the same roles. It's that top six middle six guys that are on power play two that are kind of relevant you know they brought in petrie they got rid of matheson they brought in ty smith they got rid of john marino uh, you know they, they almost lost malkin to free agency they finished 12th uh, they got ousted by i think it was uh boston in the first round by the way the what's different about this list is at least for me malkin is way down i'm I not at the I, bottom I, of, of that I have power play I have drafted your own risk with right underneath Evgeny Malkin's name. Yep. Regular season, they finished 12th, 46, 25, and 6. They were 11th in goals for their power play ranked 19th at 20.2. Um, and you just left wondering how much is left to give here. You know, they've been first round exits for a little bit. Hextall is obviously doubling down on the core, wants to see how much more he can get out of there. Main fantasy targets here. 
Crosby, Latang, Gensel, Rust, Malkin. That's my top five. You know, one thing I was actually surprised about saying, they were number six on shots on goal per game. Mm. Number six in the entire league on shots on goal per game. I was very surprised to see something like that. Um, I will say that I am a little disappointed that they couldn't keep a player like uh, Evan Rodriguez, who I thought yeah. was fantastic on that team. And I'm excited to see what Rodriguez can do elsewhere, but I'm not so sure. Um, but for me, it is Crosby, Gensel, Latang, Rust, and then Jari, because uh, Evgeny Malkin is out of my top five. Mm. I'll take Jari before I take Malkin. Yeah, I think so too. And and honestly, I'm I'm very I'm actually you know not even close. Malkin isn't even close to my top five because I'd rather put Raquel there. I think Raquel is going to have a fantastic year. You know, he had 13 points in 19 games when he played with Pittsburgh. It raises expectations for me for next year. And if he stays healthy and on a line with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel, who, you know, they've always kind of wanted to put Brian Rust on that second line because everybody wants to play with him because he's so damn good. I, I think that Ricard Raquel could really kind of take hold of that spot that nobody's been able to take hold of. The Jason Zucker thing didn't work. You know what I mean? They tried to put him on that top line, and it doesn't work. It doesn't look right. So I actually really, really, really like Ricard Raquel, and I bet you can get him at a a fucking discount too. He'll be a steal. I think he's first up in line if any of those top power play guys go down too. So, you know. I think it was Rodriguez last year. You know, they they experimented with Kapanen, who's still with the team. But I think both those guys are are streamer level. Like, you know, Carter is a streamer, depending on who goes down, obviously. But uh, I wonder, like, you know, Malkin injury prone has only played about sixty to sixty five ish percent of their available games over the last three years. He's just so often injured, and I think his ADP is gonna, you know, it's gonna fall as a result. You know, when he does play, he plays solid. He had a really bad year two years ago, but he he came back above point per game. Ugh. I have Malkin ahead of Raquel. I do, and I, I, I think that's just uh, you know based on point per game and you know wh- what he's going to do on a per game basis. I think it's going to be higher. These guys are so easy. Like the only the only real like interesting tidbit that I want to talk to you about is Chris Letang. Sneaky good season. You always get him at tremendous value because he has been. I had him at number three. He's on the. He's on the IR all the time. Is he still injury prone? Over the last three seasons, he played 93% of available games. I think he's somebody worth targeting, especially if he's still carrying that injury prone label into your drafts. Like nobody wants to touch him because, oh, you know, it's Latang. He's going to be on the IR. Maybe that's not the case anymore. Maybe he's turned a corner and, and just found something that works for him. Or, you know, the whole time it was bad luck and he's just getting good luck right now. Um, I don't know. I, I love Latang for what he brings to the table, especially if his ADP reflects what it was last year. So, man, love what he's put together. Crosby, so easy to project. Like things have been saying for, so, for so long. Yeah, easy point per game over, probably ninety even to a hundred. That's the thing. Sidney Crosby is your hundred point guy. Jake Gensel is your ninety point guy. And crazy, damn it about it, Chris Latang is your seventy point guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Brian Russ, I'd slot him in at like 80 points, but he is actually also very, uh, um, I, I love Brian Rust, especially because he's a right winger. So he is a fantastic right winger that's going to th- shoot three times a game, you know, on net and could get you 80, possibly 90 points. I'd do 70, 80 for, for Rust, but I know you're, you're higher on him than I am. Let's talk about their streamer level guys. Say not to love Jeff, Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter. Jeff Petrie. What about Petrie? Do you think uh, he's power Jeff, play too? I have you think... Jeff Carter before Jeff Petrie. Okay. Well, I didn't really have any order to him. I'm just like throwing Fair names enough. out here. But the Jeffs. Jeff Carter, the only thing I wrote next to him is just streamer. That's it. He's tri-eligible. That's great. If you're in a 16-team league, I could see some use for him. But, you know, the, the main format being 12-team, I don't know. He's a streamer guy. Jeff Carter is the Stanley streamer of the week. <laughs> What do you think about Jeff Petrie? Is he power play too, or is it some guy named Ty Smith? Um, I think it's Ty Smith. Number one, could I, even be I, both. I, uh, it could, it could. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, then you're kicking someone off that second power play unit, and honestly, that second power Jason play Zucker. unit isn't all that bad. It would have to be Jason Zucker. 
Um, what but a chode. honestly, we'll see about Jeff Petrie because I feel like maybe he's going to get a jolt of energy. You know, on a new team, I feel like he might get a little bit of a jolt here. So I like that for him. Yeah, he he was really good under Martin Saint Louis. So I think there's there was a lot there that didn't click with Ducharme that we should kind of just throw out. Um, you know, obviously, deployment was ripe for the taking in Montreal, where he's not going to have that. He's going to have Latang in front of him. Uh, you know, Latang goes down. Jeff Petrie's an immediate pickup, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like Petrie for power play too. I think the the upside is definitely capped and that's kind of baked into the Pittsburgh Penguins here with Latang already there. So maybe we're looking at 30, 40, maybe we're looking at 40, give or take a few. Uh, but you know, this is definitely hurts the ceiling for Jeff Petrie. Ty Smith, man, this one's, this one's super interesting. And I think great for his dynasty value too, because in New Jersey, things were so muddled as far as like, who is going to be the top power play of the future. They, they screwed around with Damon Severson this year. Dougie Hamilton was brought in at 9 million. He was supposed to be the guy. You know, and then they drafted Simone Nemich. They still have um, Luke Hughes. Like, they have options. And Ty Smith getting out of there where the only guy he really has to compete with, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, you know, that that's a much smaller pool of competition. And I think it's going to be good for him. You know, he could be the power play one option of the future. Great, great trade for his dynasty value. Do you know what? I I, I also like the acquisition of Ryan Poling um, to Pittsburgh. I think that'd that be good for his do, fourth line. Yeah, I I think he could do well. The only thing I'm worried about, you know, is that uh, that left side. I, I if he could get up to that second line with Malkin and Rust, ooh, because screw Jason Zucker. He, Jason Zucker should have never left Minnesota. Should have never happened. Just doesn't feel right. He doesn't look right wearing black and. Bill Guerin does not miss. All right, they're goaltending. Um, Tristan Jari, Casey DeSmith. I love getting Jari late. He usually goes in the double-digit rounds. If I can get him there, I will draft him there and be comfortable with him as my 1G. Uh, DeSmith, allergic to volume, allergic to winning. And so Jari is just chugging starts. I think they're a good team. Jari's going to benefit from that. I really like Jari, uh, possibly even as a top 10, top 15 goalie. I could see top 15. Um, he did have a very solid, solid year last year with a 919 and 242. But you know how I feel about Casey Smith. He wasn't, I didn't even write his name on here anywhere. I don't think. Oh, no. Actually, hey, wait. I swear to God. So um, I got my Pittsburgh stuff up here. There's one thing on the next page that is Pittsburgh Penguins. And then I go to Washington Capitals. All it says is fuck Casey Smith. Swear in my life. You're not wrong. Jari last year went at an ADP of 113.2, wound up the, the sixth best goalie in our five whole leagues. That's solid value. Some of the best value. I think Markstrom might have been better value. He finished at the third goalie with a later ADP. Uh, their prospects, they're not doing so hot. They're getting there. Uh, they, they, oh my God, I almost said downloaded Owen Pickering. They drafted Owen Pickering this year. They have Samuel Poulin, Nathan Lagarde, Pilar Olivier Joseph, Joel Bonquist. Callie Klang, uh, just to name a few. I think they still have Valtteri Pustinen, Putistinen, whatever. The futures, it's going to happen, but uh, the window is now. Moving on to Washington, they to me they had one of the sneakiest off seasons. You know, they added Kemper, they but they also added Dylan Strom, Eric Gustafsson, Connor Brown, Charlie Lindgren. Um, so I, I think they had a really good off season. Uh, questions surrounding the team. What is going on with Nicholas Backstrom? You know, he had hip surgery, hip replacement surgery or hip resurfacing as it's called, which, you know, ups the probabilities of his return to hockey. There's only been two players who have had the same procedure. Ryan Kessler, who never played another hockey game ever. And Ed Jovanowski, who rehabbed for a year, full year, played 37 more games and then retired. I think this could be the end for Nicholas Backstrom. Sad to say. Sad. Really sad. That's sad. End of an era, I think. But I think if we're placing bets, and I hate to play this as bet, but I think that's probably the end. Tough. Main fantasy targets. This one's almost as easy as uh, as Pittsburgh here. It's Ovi, Wilson, Kuznetsov. And there's kind of a draw. John Carlson, obviously. But um, you know, as far as the skaters go, Darcy Kemper is going to be a high commodity. But uh, in terms of the skaters, who else do you like? I think Ovi's Ovi. Um, Wilson's going to be 
out for, you know, in late May, he had knee surgery out for six to eight months. He could be back in December to February. So that, that hurts his redraft value. But uh, what do you, what is your read on their forward and defense situation? I like Dylan Strom. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's yeah. I, I just, I do. I like Dylan Strom from before. I like Dylan Strom when he was on Chicago. And if he had a 57 point pace on Chicago, then you put him on the second line or something cool like that in Washington, then I am all for it. Yeah, good for you, Dylan Strom. Dude, he was worth having before, and now and now he's in a better situation. I mean, I, I'm kind of blah on TJ Yoshi. Really kind of blah yeah. on anyone named TJ today. You know what I mean? So That's fucked up, isn't it? Though I know I had mm. to do it. They're both they're both average at fantasy. So obviously, I have to say, my boy Tom Wilson. Uh, you know what I mean? He's going to be back at some point in time. But one thing I really want to see this year is Connor Brown, where he fits in. I want to see Connor Brown in a Capitals jersey. I love Connor Brown. I think it's good for him that he got to move. You know, That right wing spot's going to be open until Tom Wilson gets back. But that's until, that's until you know, Tom Wilson comes back. So And, and the whole thing is, so Connor Sheary, he didn't he didn't grab the bull by the horns, you know what I mean? When he had his yeah. shot at that top line and Garnet Hathaway, he hasn't grabbed the bull by the horns. Now they are all streamable people, but I think Connor Brown could take that spot and be like the guy for Alex Ovenchkin and, and Kuznetsov here. Man, that would be a huge third wheel. That would be great. I'm into that one. I think, you know, with Kuznetsov who has had an up and down career you know there's there's those questions surrounding backstrom so i think kuznetsov is locked into line one but i got a tinfoil hat theory for you line two their wingers are a little bit less impressive you know it's it's mantha and it's oshi why don't they put dylan strom with alexander ovechkin and kuznetsov with the second line to up the value of the second line and only drop the value of the top line by a little bit I don't think it's going to happen, but it's a tinfoil hat theory. I don't think it's going to happen either. Maybe after Wilson comes back, because I think Connor Brown and Dylan Strom is a that's a weak duo. I don't think um, you're splitting up anyway. the two Russians on that top line. Yeah, I don't. it was just tinfoil hat. I don't. Because uh, Kuznetsov saw 20 minutes for the first time in his career. I think he's I think he's one C. I think he's locked in. Mm-hmm. You know, he had five shorthanded points, which is weird for him. He saw a lot of shorthanded time this year for the first time, like ever. Shots went way up for the first time in his career. He was over 2.5 a game. I think he's good for 75, even more. I like him there. I think 20, what do you, what do you have? 27 power play points. That's reliable. You know, he's going to be with Ovi. It makes sense. Who's next? I guess John Carlson. Well, John Carlson is right behind Ovechkin for me. It, for me, it goes Ovechkin, then Carlson, and then Evgeny Kuznetsov. Like, those are my top tier guys, and Kuznetsov is underneath Ovechkin and Carlson. Carlson, he's always a top D man. He's 65 plus for five years straight. He hit 73 times, paced for 89 in his career year. You know, my views don't, on him don't change at all. I think he's a lock for 65 with probability to go even higher. I think it's great. This is where it gets interesting. I, I, I feel like you want to go Dylan Strom after this. Well, I, I already went Dylan Strom, but I mean, uh, other than, you know, I did say him and you talked about Anthony Mantha. I think Anthony Mantha would obviously be on my list too. Yeah. Does does he get that Tom Wilson spot on the top power play? Or is it Dylan Strom? Because that's going to be open. Hmm. I think it's Dylan Strom. I might go Mantha here. I think it's Dylan Strom because... Strom is pretty damn good at faceoff, from what I recall. Let's see. Yeah. He had a 52% last year. I like that. The year before that, he was under 50%. But you do have Kuznetsov for that. What's that? No, I think they're all lefties. So you can't. we can't go that route. Like you can't be, you know, Backstrom's a lefty and so is Strom. So that makes sense. They're all lefties. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see who finally gets that. Um, you know, I think if he does get that top power play p- deployment, it could he could have a really good year. He he's a he's a fifty point guy. I think there's upside for like fifty five to sixty if he takes power play one out of the gate and runs with it. If it turns into one of those like if it's not broke, don't fix it scenarios, I think he can be a sixty point guy. But I think he's probably a fifty point guy. Can that's, I that's interest right you 
in an Eric Gustafson? I don't know. Power play two, man. Like that's some Justin Schultz shit. I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Power play like, two isn't out there much. I'll give you that. And when you have John yeah. Carlson in front of you, you might not get on the ice that much. I'll, yeah. I can see that. It was it was a good move. I think he'll have like you know one or two weeks of a streak. We might bring him up as a streamer, but I don't know. Can we bitch about TJ Oshie? Because I I hate him in fantasy. I don't know why people are obsessed with him. I already said, blah. I'm I'm blah does, on TJ. He does Oshie. nothing good. He does nothing well. He he shoots twice a game. He hits like once a game, maybe more. He's okay. He's a fifty five point guy. Everybody talks about him, like you know. I, I went through the Discord. People were like, should I drop Tage Thompson for TJ Oshie? Should I drop Ryan O'Reilly for TJ Oshie? Michael Bunting, Jonathan Marcheseau. No. This is ridiculous. I went through t- all of TJ Oshie's career years in different stats, and I put together his best possible season. 33 goals, 39 assists for, what, six, what's that, 72 points, 188 shots, 18 power play points, 149 hits, 62 blocks that's like okay a blake coleman you know peak blake coleman he's rosterable but he's like middle of your he's he's a middling guy the guy he is right now he's bottom of your lineup the only reason i'm mad and i'm talking shit on tj i think he's good but i want to end the stigma that he is valuable i get the right wing thing i'll concede that like you know right wing shallow but people are jizzing to pick this guy up all over the place like he's Three-year average has him at two shots a game, 30 goals, 30 assists for 60 points, and like just over a hit a game. That's boring, man, especially if you're points only. Like there's so many better players you can go. I am by no means any nicer in my notes. In fact, I might be a little verbally more mean. (laughs) Uh, I think the only streamer level players we didn't talk about streamer level, you know, we talked about Connor Brown, Connor Sheary. There's another Connor, Connor McMike. Connor McMichael could make an appearance. Um, Martin Favari, you know, he's one of my favorites for hits and blocks. Mm. He's, I think he's top pairing uh, with Carlson. So that's great for his potential, even strength pointage. And Orlov will do uh, that shit too. Orlov's good for that. Uh, Hathaway too, man. The guy bangs. So uh, let's move to their goaltending. Um, Lindgren is not a 1B. So I think Kemper, you know, health allowing is good for 60 plus starts. You know, and and the quality stats aren't even going to drop that much by way of evolving hockey's expected goals against. Avs had the sixth best defense. Capitals were ninth. So really, it's it's not that big of a change. The insulation is still going to be there. The offensive support's still going to be there. Not as prevalent, but it's it's still going to be there. So the really the only thing that's keeping Kemper from sixty starts is Kemper, and I think he could be a really fantasy, like a really valuable fantasy goalie. Not as much as last year, but. That's what happens when you go from the Stanley Cup winning team to a uh, first round exit team. Did they make the second round? I forget. They did, I think. I'm, I'm pretty damn sure. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yes, they did. No, I think, didn't they get ousted by the New York Rangers? I don't know. I don't know. Now now, now you got me. All right. I'll get into the Islanders. Um, before that, I think uh, the prospects in... Washington, they're okay. They drafted uh, Ivan Marushnichenko this year, downloaded him, and then they got uh, Hendricks Lapierre. They got Connor McMike. They got Alexi Protas. Um, yeah, that's what it is. Oh I, no, they lost I, the Panthers. Yeah. All right, there it is. Yeah, I remember that now. Okay. All right. New York Islanders, man, they didn't do anything in free agency like at all. Essentially, um, they got a new head coach in Lane Lambert. He's been with Barry Trotz since 2011. You know, middling results, you know, I'm afraid that he is just a Barry Trotz incarnate, but I think he's going to give a little more time to the new guys. So I want to know, like, you know, do you think Matt Barzell comes back to relevance? Do you think, you know, guys like Oliver Wallstrom get a a God's honest chance? Um, What are you what are you thinking here? Man, I'm just I I just don't give a shit about the New York Islanders. Like, seriously, they're so they're so fucking vanilla, man. Yeah. Like Matt Barzal. Yes, I am interested in having Matt Barzal on my on my team because I, you know, I think that he is legit a very fantastic player. But the thing is, he's a fantastic hockey player. He's not always fantastic for uh, for fantasy, but he's 
okay. He's a tough own in categories, too. But the New York Islanders were number 23 in goals per game last year. The Buffalo Sabres were in front of them. You know what I mean? They were number 30 on shots on goal per game last year. They are so bad. Like, I, I, not, I, but they're not supposed to be bad. For fantasy. Yeah, they're so bad for fantasy. They're, they're a, you know, they're a NHL team, but they're boring. You're boring. But somehow they have the number 12 power play. I don't fucking get it, but. Uh, Who are you drafting first? Brock Nelson or Matt Barzell? Matt Barzell. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I think Nelson had a really sneaky year. Oh my God. I'm not drafting goals. Brock Nelson over Matt Barzell though. Jeez. I might. I think there's an argument there. He had 37 goals, 67 point pace. There's, I mean, it, unless Lane Lambert does something crazy for Matt Barzell, you know, he, he, they are about the same point pace, but Brock Nelson just scores a shit ton more goals. It's hard for so me to that. not pick the better hockey player. I get it. <sighs> I get it. But, um, but Barzell, he's just a better hockey player. Yeah, I think without Trotz there, like he's not the third line center anymore. So, you know, having Barzell and Nelson as your one two or maybe even two one is going to be pretty good. I think it's solid. Um, Anders Lee, I have no idea what kind of year we're going to get. Something tells me we'll get, you know, a 30, 20, 50 point campaign out of him with hits and shots. Noah Dobson, man. I'm excited about this kid. Me too. 50 points under Barry Trotz. That's good enough to make your resume. Like that should make you take notice. Five extra minutes time on ice. That'll do it. You know what I mean? That's huge. Yeah. Uh, Lane Lambert's going to dictate a lot of what happens to this team fantasy wise. Trotz was no good for it. His defensive system was no good for fantasy. I, I'm hoping Lane Lambert gives a shit about offense. You know, there's still time. I think the the Islanders have money to play with, and maybe they can go out and get like a Tarasenko. But I think if they would have, they would have done it by now because Tarasenko prevented um, St. Louis from making a pitch to Johnny Gaudreau. They prevented um, you know them being able to make a real pitch. But I mean, it's hard to beat Florida's offer. But uh, you know, for Kachuk. I think there was stuff that you know, they couldn't keep Perron. Like I think they would have wanted to move him, and I think Tarasenko would be really fun on uh, the Islanders. But uh, I don't know. There's not much left here. Like I think those are the guys that were drafting: Nelson, Dobson, Barzell, and Lee. As far as skaters go, the streamers, however, there's a lot of them. Like JGP, Anthony Beauvillier, Oliver Wallstrom, Ryan, uh, not Ryan Strom, Ryan Pulak. JGP is another Andrew Mangiap. I'm tired of JGP. He hits and blocks and takes faceoffs, man. Tired I'll, of JGP. I'm all for it. He does hit and block and everything. I, I get it. I get it for the cats and all that. But man, he is supposed to be more. If we see a 50 point season, then like I'll be surprised. Actually, he's not a 50 point player. That's the thing. He's just so dominant in the peripherals. He, that's, he is. That's what it is. Like. Not dominant in any category, but like good enough in all of the categories to be very valuable. So he's he's a poor man's Blake Coleman. Then I'd rather have Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman is a poor man's Blake Coleman anymore. I need more from you, Blake. <laughs> Go back to Jersey. Um, I think JGP in a points league is not interesting. Bovillier, you know, uh, you are guilty until proven innocent. Now you were innocent until proven guilty. You run out of time. Should have get off the pot. You're still on the pot. Uh, all right, goaltending. Sorokin, I think he finally sees true volume. Like He was the only goalie inside the uh, FHFH top 10 to have less than 30 wins. He's also had the fewest games played out of anybody there. I think he's a true talent, raw talent, and I think Lambert is going to let him see 60 games. Maybe 55, I don't know. It's only two more than he had, but or three more maybe. I, I forget if it was 52 or 53, but I think you know we get true volume. I think this tandem's gone too. And any t- and any goalie that plays for the Islanders is going to have a shot at shutouts. Like mm-hmm. their team defense plays into it very well. Um, you know, Varley and Sorokin were both able to get shutouts, and hell, Sorokin had seven of them this year. Definitely a solid goalie. Uh, should be targeting him. Hopefully, at good value. Let's see where that value is. Uh, the prospects they are not that good. I could only think of like. I- Atsu Ratu and like William Dufour, maybe like Michael Darkhold didn't really pan out. Kiefer Bellows is still there. Oliver Wallstrom graduated. Bodie Wild has just been sinking. Um, 
It's weird. It's going to be a weird one. But I think that's it, man. We got what? Huzzah. That's it for the teams. All right. So later on in the week, we're going to have Carolina, New York Rangers, Philadelphia, and the New Jersey Devils to talk about. Um, you know, the very anticipated Philadelphia preview. Been looking forward to that one. Yeah, but, we'll uh, talk about them next week because they're, yeah. they're on the bottom. Mm-hmm. But anyway, guys, that's it for us. Uh, if you guys are digging the shows, if there's anything you want to hear, hit us up on Twitter or you can leave a review for us on iTunes. That would be rad. Uh, rating, review, that whole thing. We like reading them. It's been a lot of fun getting them. You can join the Fantasy Hockey Discord. I put something up on Reddit in the uh, r slash fantasy hockey. We got like 80 new members overnight, which is nuts. Uh, we're almost at 1,500. So if you guys want to get on, get in on the Fantasy Hockey Discord, do that. Because there's a ton of people in there talking fantasy hockey all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Uh, but if there's anything you want to hear on the next episode, hit us up on Twitter at FHF Hockey. Keep an eye out for our mock draft video on YouTube. And until next time, we love yous. Love yous.